Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what is going on, everybody? My name uh, is Arna Roy, and welcome back to the AKN Sports Podcast on this lovely Monday, October 24th, 2022. A lot of stuff to go over, man. There's, there's a lot of stuff to go over, man. Oh, is it a great day after what happened last night in the ALCS and Oh my god, you gotta love it. But of course, the, the, the big thing we gotta look at is, of course, it is Patriots game day, man. It's the first primetime game of the season for the Patriots. Of course, hosting the Chicago Bears tonight in a uh, little 1985 Super Bowl 20 rematch, which, uh, you know, we Patriot fans don't want to look back on. But yeah, we, uh, we do in fact have a Monday night football game in Foxborough with uh, Mac Jones and Justin Fields. So, you know. Obviously, this is, you know, going to be the first time this season where, you know, I get to kind of do a little bit of a pregame because, you know, I don't normally record on Sundays and Saturday there's a lot of other things going on. So I'll just kind of put in my intake there and there's obviously other games I want to go over. But of course, we know Pats and Bears tonight. It's the first time in like eight years they're playing in Foxborough, but obviously not a matchup that really should have a lot of implications on what you're trying to prove. Now, Mac is officially back tonight. There's no shocker on that. Um, you know, obviously with all the things we've seen the last few weeks that there's no shocker there, right? Mac, you know, was progressing pretty quickly and, you know, really, really getting in a good spot after that high ankle sprain against the Ravens. But, you know, you look at a game like this, which truly is is an honorable gift to have after coming off of what I would say was a really sloppy start in his defense. And now you come back three, four weeks later and you're playing one of the worst overall teams in the league. Um, this is a gift, you know, it would be quite a story if let's say we were playing literally any other AFC East team, if we were playing Buffalo, if we were playing Miami, if we were playing the Jets, uh, there, you would have a little bit of a different story here, but obviously with Mac coming back, I wouldn't say he's at a hundred percent full strength yet. I think that's pretty obvious at this point, but to see him come back at wherever spot he is right now, high ankle sprain, missed three full weeks, four full, was it four, three, it was three full weeks of football. Uh, really kind of shows you the progression of what this team has been able to show um, in his favor. But the media loves to create a false narrative on a quarterback controversy. You know, I've been talking about it ever since Zappi came in against Green Bay. Really, the, the little controversy, you know, pot started to stir a little bit when we shut out the Lions. That was where people were really impressed with the performance from Zappi. But this is a game tonight where you should fully expect the Patriots to beat the crap out of this team. And I don't feel that's going to happen because I just think offensively, I still don't think this is going to be like a great game. They, they'll win tonight. And if they lose tonight, you know, it's gonna, it's not going to be a happy day tomorrow. If they lose tonight, you know, then we really have to start making some, some interesting, uh, you know, scenarios to make up in the future. Because, you know, obviously... We have seen a slight improvement in the offense. There seems to be more fluctuation in the passing game. We have a much more confident backfield with that one-two combo of Ramondre and Damian Harris. And I also love the fact that Tyquan Thornton got involved last week. So you're getting these receivers involved. You, you have a little rhythm going offensively. It's not perfect. It's not where the level it should be with all the other offenses in the AFC. But it's getting there. The problem is it hasn't gotten there with Mac Jones yet. Right? We saw the Miami game. Really, really rough start. 
the Pittsburgh game, you won, but that was kind of ugly. The Ravens game was okay, but the turnovers were bad. So this is going to be a really interesting test to see how Mac can come back. And if there's any sort of revenge feeling inside of him that, you know, this rookie came into my spot as a fifth round rookie, was originally the third string quarterback, comes in here and puts on a show, eh, quote unquote a show, but created this like false QB controversy. All right. I'm Mac Jones. I was one of the top quarterbacks taken last year. I'm arguably still the best quarterback from last year's quarterback class of 2021. I am going to end this stupid theory. That's got to be the mentality going into this game. And it has to be. And you're at home. It's prime time. It's the freaking Chicago Bears. There's no excuses right there. Now, my thing is this. Uh, the defense is probably going to have a fantastic night. This is a Bears offense that is just a mess all over the place. Number one, from a talent perspective, uh, they do not have any sort of talent, right? I mean, I feel very bad for Justin Fields. And obviously, you know, that's going to be an interesting feeling in the fact that, you know, the you know when when the Patriots were sitting on the clock and when they were preparing to select the quarterback last April, the, the two quarterbacks that were on the table were Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Now, Fields obviously went about two or three picks before Mac, which, of course, the Bears traded up. And if they did not trade up, I think you could have very well seen Fields fall to the Patriots. Who knows? But that was a scenario that played out. But obviously, given the circumstance, given the coaching, given everything, Mac Jones has proven to be the better quarterback. Even though I think Justin Fields thrives in different situations. I think Fields has a much better job creating plays out of the pocket. He's got a really, really good sense of, of avoiding pressure. And you look at that offense, I mean, holy crap, that offensive line has got to be the worst offensive line in the league. And I'm not joking, like, there are some bad offensive lines out there. The Chicago Bears have the worst offensive line. And this is a Patriot defensive line that is, I thought, in my opinion, I think they've played very, very good. Um, and they've had their tests offensively, you know. Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, you know, they haven't been putting up the numbers. We obviously, I, you know, I want to go over all those games from yesterday as well. Um you know, I mean, the Ravens offense, which has been doing pretty well this season, the Lions were the number one rated offense. So, you know, this is a defense that hasn't been having, you know, the weakest of tests, but not the strongest in my opinion either. So, you know, I really expect a great game defensively here, but it's not only the offensive line, their receiving core is just playing garbage. I mean, listen, I love Darnell Mooney. I think he's a great kid. I thought he did good, good things with Trubisky. I think he's okay, but on like 90% of the other teams in the NFL, Darnell Mooney is not a number one receiver because besides him, they got... Equinemia St. Brown, who barely played third, fourth string with Green Bay. They got the kid Byron Pringle from Kansas City, who, again, was like a third, fourth stringer with the Chiefs. And then they got the rookie, who I think honestly was pretty good in college, Velas Jones Jr. And you know who the fifth guy is? Yep, it's Nikhil Harry. <laughs> it's Nikhil freaking Harry. So yeah, coincidence that Nikhil Harry is making his Chicago Bears debut uh, in Foxborough tonight. Now, I don't expect Nikhil Harry to go out here and put on a you know, a 10 catch for 140 and a three touchdowns. I don't, I don't think Nikhil's going to do that. But there's got to be a feeling in, in, in Nate Estraby's head and Nikhil's head that, you know, it's got to be almost automatic that we got to get Nikhil Harry involved. Our offense hasn't been doing jack shit. And if we can somehow prove that Nikhil Harry can do some sort of effect, that's got to be the goal of theirs. But nonetheless, they have a weak receiving core. Their offensive line sucks. You know, Cole Komet was a kid that I, I had my eyes on back in the 2020 draft. He had a good rookie year. Even last year, he was pretty good. But this year, terrible. Hasn't even been involved. So really the only guys that I, I think could do some damage is obviously David Montgomery, even Khalil Herbert. They have a really good running duo. Montgomery puts up great numbers. Khalil Herbert stepped in as a, a really solid backup as a fifth round rookie last year. And we know Mooney can make plays as well. But those besides those three, it's a question mark. No one else is going to make plays in this game. So I, I have a lot of trust in the, in the, in the Patriots defensively tonight. And then the other side of the ball, again, you know, you're looking at a, a very relatively healthy offense. Again, there is no Kendrick Bourne tonight, which is, is getting very interesting as we approach the, the trade deadline. I mean, we're about eight days away from the trade deadline. Um, so, you know, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what, what's going to happen with Kendrick Bourne. Obviously, this is a Patriot receiving core that's starting to get a little crowded with Devontae Parker's impact, Jacoby Myers' impact. I mean, Tyquan Thornton, who I thought made a great, great, uh, debut last week in Cleveland, you know, the two tight end set that looked a little bit nicer with Hunter Henry and Janu. So I, I'm going to stay on my ground that I think Kendrick Bourne will be traded by next week. And I made that prediction after, you know, what happened in the preseason and more so after he was barely involved in the Miami game to open up the season. So, but, uh, I mean, I expect this offense to do nothing less or more than what they've done in the last few weeks, but all eyes are going to be on Mac. People know what the rest of this offense is capable of. People love Damian Harris and Ramondre. You know, we, I've loved what I've seen from Jacoby Myers when he's healthy uh, and Devontae Parker in certain games. The, the, you know, I, I like what I see there. Yeah, the offensive line has been very shaky, but 
I love how, you know, we talked a lot about the offensive line when Mac was under center than Bailey Zappi. I never heard one complaint about the offensive line, maybe in the Green Bay game, but in the Detroit game, and I know that's Detroit, and then the Cleveland game, decent pass rush. You heard zero. Now, coincidentally, yes, both those teams don't have the strongest. I mean, the Browns at least had Miles Garrett, who's arguably the best edge rusher in football right now. So, but I, I just love how we never heard any kind of complaint. We really didn't. So, you know, obviously, I want to see what happens at the right tackle position. We know Isaiah Wynn is the most penalized player in the league. Um, Marcus Cannon got a lot of reps there at right tackle, so we'll see if he gets to start. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and then the Bears defensively, you know, they actually they have a decent defense. You know, their defense hasn't been awful. But, uh, obviously, you got a guy like Robert Quinn who put up 10-plus sacks last year, one of the most underrated edge rushers. I mean, Roquan Smith, easily the best player on that Chicago defense. We know how great he is. Um, their secondary, you know, that's the thing where I'm not concerned about at all. I mean, Jalen Johnson, their best corner. You got, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson. Like, it's a weak secondary. But that, that pass rush is definitely going to be bringing the house. But there's one guy on that Bears defensive line that was uh, talking a little crap before this game, and it's a guy that most people don't know because he's not even that good. He's not good, period. Uh, I obviously know who he is, and his name's Justin Jones. Now, Justin Jones was uh, trying to be a little smartass, trying to be a little little troll, and he was like, yeah, the Patriots are still defeating footballs, man. I mean, listen, you know, just, just to get your name out there, because, you know, when do you ever see Justin Jones's name in the media? Oh, yeah, the only time he does it is when he has to speak up. So, like, dude. Shut your mouth. You don't know shit. You suck. You're not doing crap tonight. So anyway, um, Pats and Bears, Monday Night Football. I mean, obviously not the desired game that anybody wanted to have. I have no clue how this game landed on Monday Night Football. I think the only reason was that it's like Mac Jones versus Justin Fields, but whatever. So uh, this should be a very, very easy win for the Patriots tonight. There's no doubt about that in my mind. So Pats, Bears tonight. Jamie Collins is also getting bumped up, so he's going to make his... uh, Patriots debut tonight for like the fourth time. We'll see how much of an impact Jamie Collins has. They also bumped up uh, Bill Murray, not the comedian. Uh, They bumped up the offensive tackle slash defensive tackle Bill Murray. So two guys got bumped up to the practice squad tonight. That's really all I know. So yeah, that is uh, the Patriots game for tonight. Uh, Otherwise, I mean, man, I got to go over the, I got to go over baseball. So I, normally, I would go over the Celtics. Obviously, they won on Saturday night, but I gotta go over those playoff games from yesterday because, oh my God, we had two teams advance to the World Series last night. So I'm gonna start off. I gotta start off with the Yankees, man. <laughs> He's lost. Oh my God, you guys are a joke. I don't care if we didn't make the playoffs. You guys are a joke, right? I mean. This team, now listen, nobody thought the Yankees were going to win. Nobody thought the Yankees were going to beat the Astros, right? They struggled against the, they struggled against Cleveland. You know, they were hot at the beginning of the year, you know, almost let freaking Toronto take over in the AL East. And then they got into the playoffs as the number two seed after cruising in the American League for so long. And they, I mean, forget about them losing. It's the fact that they got swept and their loser bum of a manager of Aaron Boone was making up the lamest excuses for them losing the two games in Houston. I mean, this guy's a bum. There is no reason why Aaron Boone should be back in New York. There is zero reason why he should be back. And I truly, truly, deep, deep inside of myself believe that last night Aaron Judge played his last game as a Yankee. I am so convinced on that. And I was very convinced on his post-game interview. But nonetheless, the Houston Astros swept the New York Yankees and advance to the World Series for the second consecutive year. That team's nasty. We got to give their respect. But the Yankees played like shit. Even though last night they actually had a chance to avoid getting swept. But a 6-5 to five win for the Yankees. Again, Nestor Cortez started. What did hurt them, though, was uh, Nestor Cortez got hurt. I don't know exactly what happened. He ended up getting hurt like two or three innings into the game. So that kind of screwed them over, but I don't really care. It's the Yankees. But again, the Yankees were in control of this game. It started off with uh, Giancarlo Stanton singling to right. Bader scored, Yankees went up 1-0, then uh, Glaber Torres singled to center, Anthony Rizzo scored, they were up 2-0, and then Anthony Rizzo doubled to left, and Kiner Falefa scored, they were up 3-0, so now I'm like, hey, Yankees might actually avoid the sweep, but then this is honestly where I thought the game turned, you're up 3-0 in the second, then Jeremy Pena hits a 408-foot three-run blast, just like that, the game is tied, like, you can't let that up, and then uh, Yuli Gurriel, single to right, Alvar- Jordan Alvarez scored, Astros are all of a sudden up 4-3, to three. but then Anthony Rizzo singled to center, Bader scored, they tied the game at 4, and then 
The man that's been drilling homers, Harrison Bader, hit a 378-foot solo shot. Yankees were back up by one. And then in the seventh, this is where everything just turned, man. Jordan Alvarez singled to right. Jose Altuve scored. They tied the game at five. And then Alex Bregman singled to right, in which Pena scored, and the Yankees won. The Astros won. Crazy freaking stuff, man. I mean, look at this is how the hitters went, you know. Jose Altuve, who was honestly doing terrible so far in the playoffs, two for four with uh, two runs and uh, no RBI. Uh, Jeremy Pena, two for four. He, he he was spectacular in the series. Jordan Alvarez, two for four with a run and RBI. Uh, Alex Bregman had a, uh, you know, he was one for four with, a, with an RBI. Kyle Tucker, one for three. Yuli Gurriel, one for four. Trey Mancini was uh, 0 for four as well as uh, Chad McCormick. And uh, Martin Maldonado was 0 for three with a run. But how about Lance McCullers Jr., who also pitched, uh, I don't know if he pitched in this series, but yeah, Lance McCullers Jr., solid, decent, eh, decent game, 100 pitches in five innings. You know, he did cuff up eight hits, was responsible for three of the five runs, walked one, but he did have six strikeouts, and then he- this is where the bullpen just went nuts, man. Hector Neris came out in the sixth, nine pitches in the sixth, did cuff up a hit, one more run with a strikeout, then Brian Abreu came out in the seventh, eight pitches in the seventh with a strikeout, Rafael Montero in the eighth, 15 pitches with a strikeout, and then Ryan Presley, good old Ryan Presley, uh, closed it out in the ninth on 11 pitches, and for the second consecutive year, the Houston Astros are going to the World Series. I mean, first off, the respect is going to be given to the Astros. This is a great team. They have an incredible hitting lineup. I mean, you know, people want to give the the respect to Dusty Baker. This is a really, really good team. Um, You know, I I think some people are going to try to pull something out of their ass that this team cheated. I hate this team with a passion. Trust me, I hate the Houston Astros. But there's a fine line of hatred between the Yankees and the Astros. It's a fine line between those two. But uh, much respect. I mean, this team's got a great bullpen. You know, I mean, look at this hitting lineup, man. I mean, the fact that you have Vasquez on your bench. You know, they got Mancini at the deadline on top of, you know, one of the best one-two punch hitters of Jordan Alvarez and and, and Jose Altuve. It's It's a stacked lineup. But... You look more at the Yankees because this has been an, an occurring theme for them. It's a, I mean, this year was probably at its peak because they were so dominant. You know, Aaron Judge had a record-breaking year of 62-63 homers this year. They were just dominating in every stat in the American League, and they just played like garbage. I mean, they barely beat Cleveland in, in, in the ALDS, and they got destroyed. Like, listen, it's one thing if... You know, you beat the crap out of Cleveland and you lost in game six or seven to the Astros. Like, that's one thing. But this was another embarrassment from this team. And it's amazing because, like, you look at the Yankees, you're like, how does this team screw up? Like, they're arguably a better team than the the Astros talent-wise. I mean, you got a great ace of Garrett Cole. Nestor Cortez was an all-star. You know, I don't know what was up with Aroldis Chapman. I didn't see him at all, but I think he was hurt. You know, so many great guys in the pen. Aaron Judge was arguably the best overall hitter in the league. Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton. You got Harrison Bader at the deadline. You know, you got Andrew Benintendi, too. I mean, he got hurt, but still... I mean, I don't understand how this team manages to do this crap. I just don't get it. So I truly believe, though, and if you didn't hear Aaron Judge's postgame, he's, you know, they basically asked him, like, do you see yourself in a Yankee uniform? You know that question is going to be asked. And he basically just said, like, you know, obviously I want to be in a Yankee uniform, but we couldn't get anything done in spring training. So that, to me, was like a ding, 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 like, shit, you guys effed up in the playoffs. You didn't give the man that contract. He is gone. He is gone. And now, listen, it's tough to predict where he could go. But holy crap, if Aaron Judge lands in Boston, man, you heard it here first. I mean, you didn't, you know, really hear it here first. But wow, the Houston Astros, man, back to the World Series. Then we had another team that advanced to their first World Series in 13 years. The Philadelphia Phillies beating the Padres 4-3. to This team, though, to me, looks like the most hungry. Like, the Astros are your classic, well-built, talented team. But this Phillies team is, is cracked. 4-3 to three win over the Padres. They won in five games, man. They won it in five freaking games. So it started off with uh, Reese Hoskins, who, I mean, he played spectacular, man. Reese Hoskins hit a two-run blast, 424 feet. So the, the Phillies were up 2 nothing, And then, you know, the, the Padres made it interesting. You had uh, Juan Soto, who was kind of quiet. Uh, Juan Soto hit a 439-foot solo shot to make it 2-1. to one. Then Josh Bell doubled to deep right. Cronenworth scored. They tied it at 2. And then Azokar scored on a Dominguez wild pitch. So then the Padres were up 3-2, to two, but good old Bryce Harper, man. Bryce Harper with the game-winning two-run blast in the eighth, 382 feet, and the Philadelphia Phillies advanced to the World Series for the first time in 13 years, man. Again, like, you know, the addition of Kyle Schwarber, 
everybody on this team makes an impact. Like, the, the thing that I think could hurt the Phillies is their pitching, but their pitching's been pretty damn good in, in the playoffs so far. So, again, for the for the Phillies, you know, Kyle Schwarber 0-for-1 with a run. I mean, Reese Hoskins 1-for-3 with a run. JT Real Muto, there should have been a co-MVP. So, Bryce Harper ended up winning uh, NLCS MVP, but it really should have been between JT Real Muto or, or Reese Hoskins. The JT Real Muto man, 2-for-4 with a run. Bryce Harper was unreal. Uh, Nick Castellanos, I don't know why, why he's been so bad, 0 for 3. Uh, Andrew Bowen was 0 for 3. Bryson Stott was 1 for 4. Gene Segura, 0 for 3. Brandon Marshall, 0 for 3. But wow. And remember, you had Zach Wheeler, and Zach Wheeler was dealing. And he's a guy that I just didn't think was going to do this well in the regular season because Zach Wheeler, I mean, 87 pitches in six innings. He did cuff up three hits, was responsible for two of those runs, but he had eight strikeouts. Zach Wheeler with eight strikeouts. Then Sir Anthony Dominguez almost made it worse. I mean, he came out in the seventh on 19 pitches. He uh, coughed up a hit, coughed up a run off an error, and he did have two strikeouts. And Jose Alvarado came out in the in the eighth, 16 pitches, uh, coughed up a hit, walked one with a strikeout. And then uh, I think it was David Robertson uh, came out for a little bit, 17 pitches, uh, walked two with a strikeout. And then Ranger Suarez, who literally started in the game after, or the game before, excuse me, on uh, two pitches, closed it out. And again, first time in 13 years the Phillies are going back. Again, really good additions in the offseason. Kyle Schwarber. Kills me every day that we couldn't bring this man back. Bryce Harper combining with him. I mean, I, listen, after the Bryce Harper injury from like a couple of months ago, I did not think the Phillies were going to bounce back properly. And remember, they started off the year with Didi Gregorius. Remember Didi Gregorius? I mean, I wish he stayed there. But for the Padres, I mean, obviously this, this was kind of an ugly run for them. But at the same time, it, it's not worse than the Yankees. Not even close. The fact that they were still able to beat the, the, the Dodgers was even better. They beat the crap out of the Dodgers in the, in the NLDS. And that, that was an accomplishment on its own. But at the same time, the Padres went in with full all-in. They, they were the definition of the all-in team, the deadline. You know, on top of what you had with Manny Machado and you Darvish, you got freaking Juan Soto at the deadline. You got, I think they got Josh Bell. They got uh, Josh Hader, one of the best closers. Like, they stacked up. And then what really bit them in the ass was the loss of Tatis. But again, people criticized Tatis for, for his fielding issues, and he wasn't playing well prior to the uh, suspension and the injury. But uh, again, that's going to be interesting to look at, it, is what's going to happen with Tatis and he definitely ruined his chances of being a Hall of Famer. But uh, at the same time, man, tough blow for the Padres. But at the same time, you still you still beat the Dodgers, man. You still beat the Dodgers. And, and that, to me, is what mattered most. I mean, hey, you beat the Dodgers. And I think they beat uh, the Mets, too, right? They beat the Mets. That's another team. So at least they had a good run. They had a good run. But, man, so the World Series is set, folks. We've got, again, Friday, so a few days off. But we got the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. So it's actually not the first time they're playing each other in a playoff series, because way back in the day, the Astros used to be in the National League. So the last time these two played each other in a series was the 1980 NLDS. 1980, so it's been, what, 40, 42 years since these two played each other in a uh, in a playoff series. So uh, first time in 42 years. But yeah, the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies, Friday night, the World Series is set, man. Gotta love it. So... All right, that's baseball for you. Going to be taking a little step back from baseball. Um, I want to go over the Celtics because they did play on a back-to-back on Saturday, and they ended up winning a pretty damn good game. They beat the Magic uh, 126-120. Now, I get it. The Magic, pretty pretty solid young squad right there. Had a pretty uh, rough start to the year. But, again, the Celtics, of course, were without Al Horford in this game, so they were kind of playing small against a pretty big Magic team. But, hey, 126-120. I mean, again... Uh, you know, obviously the Magic, as I said before, a solid young team. They kept up. I thought this was kind of a rough game for the Celtics, though, turnover-wise. And again, I mean, despite the fact that Tatum, and by the way, Tatum, man, 40 points in this game. And it was, I believe it was the first time in Celtics history that a uh, a player put up 100-plus in his first three games of the season. Tatum dropped 40 on Saturday night, 14 of 21 shooting, shot 40% from three on 10 shots. I mean, eight rebounds to this was the Tatum game. And this is the thing about the Celtics, right? They have the depth. They have the defensive efficiency. And again, everybody else kind of played poor. I mean, Derek White, Derek White was lights out, man. 27 points for Derek White. The man shot five of nine from three. Another guy that, you know, came in here back in February, struggled from three, was shooting barely 20% from three, stepped it up in the playoffs, and he, he shot lights out, man. 27 from him. You know, I mean, even Malcolm Brogdon, I mean, it wasn't his strongest game. Brogdon had 13 off the bench. Uh, four of ten from the field, even thirteen from Grant, who again shot. That was the second or third straight game he shot like a hundred percent from the three. I don't get it, man. Thirteen from him. Now, my biggest setback was definitely Jalen Brown. I didn't think he was shooting well in this game. Just didn't feel it. He did have twelve points on four of sixteen shooting, though, with nine rebounds. But 
this was the Jason Tatum game, man. He was lights out. So, and then for Orlando, I mean, again, you know, Terrence Ross was on fire. Terrence Ross, who I, you know, was a guy that I thought the Celtics could have maybe gone after. I know they tried to go after him uh, at the deadline a couple of times, but he had 29, 11 of 16, 5 of 8 from 3, even Paulo. So obviously this was the first time I got to see Paulo play, and he's got a lot of potential, man. He, he's a great scorer in the paint, shoots the ball pretty well, fights on rebounds. He had 23, you know, 6 of 19 shooting, 2 of 7 from 3. I mean, you had 18 from uh, Franz Wagner, 15 from Wendell Carter Jr., 14 from Cole Anthony again. You know, their best their best bench score was Chris Okiki, who put up only eight. So again, I think that was definitely the setback. But at the same time, it just felt like an ugly game from both sides. But hey, they clutched it up and uh, Celtics are three and oh. Celtics are three and oh. And uh as you know, they are also playing tonight. So we got a doubleheader with the Patriots and the Celtics. Uh and what's funny is they're both playing a Chicago team. So tonight at eight o'clock, the uh, Celtics are in Chicago playing the Bulls. Of course, the Bulls are one and two. Uh, again, kind of a slow start for the Bulls this year. It's really just been DeMar DeRozan and a little bit of Nikola Vucevic, but they, I think they just got their first win of the year. But uh, through the first three games, DeMar DeRozan uh, averaging 27.3 a game on 51% shooting and 82 from the line. So um, I believe Al Horford is back tonight. No other injuries for the Bulls. So, you know, th- this should be a fun game to watch. I mean, the Bulls obviously are another interesting team to watch, you know, on how much they've stacked up with Levine and DeRozan from last year, Vucevic at the deadline a year and a half ago, uh, you know, getting, you know, a couple of good guys, veterans on their bench, Goran Dragic and uh, Andre Drummond. So, you know, they definitely have some good depth there, but, uh, you know, it would be really interesting to see how things go tonight. So Celtics, Bulls, 8 o'clock tonight in Chicago, uh, Celtics 3-0, Bulls are 1-2, you know, should be, should be a pretty fun one, should be a fun one. Um, But now, I mean, hey, we already burned a lot of time. I want to go over all the games from yesterday. We got to go over all of the games from yesterday. So let's start off with the Bengals and the Falcons. So obviously, I had my feelings with the Bengals. Bengals ended up beating the Falcons 35-17. Again, Bengals, you know, honestly really needed to bounce back win like this. A little bit of a rough start to the early part of the year. However, I mean, Atlanta was, was, was you know, Atlanta's been a, a weird team to watch too. You know, had a couple of big sparks offensively this season, but... This is one of those games where the Bengals stepped up defensively and Jamar Chase had himself a day, but 35-17 win for the Bengals. Again, started off with a, I mean, hey, I started Joe Burrow in fantasy, so this was nuts to see, man. Tyler Boyd with a 60-yard TD pass from Joe Burrow to put the Bengals up 7-0. Then uh, Joe Mixer in for a one-yard TD. They were up 14-0. And then Jamar Chase caught a 32-yard TD pass from Burrow to put him up 21-0. And then finally the Falcons got on the board when uh, Tyler Allegier. Uh, Russian for a one-yard TD made it 21-7, but then Jamar Chase again, 41 yards from Joey B, made it 28-7 Bengals. Then the Falcons made things a little interesting. Demir Bird caught a, a 70, Patriot legend Demir Bird caught a, a 75-yard TD pass from Mariota to make it 28-14, and then right at the end of the second quarter, uh, Young Hui Koo hit a 43-yarder, so they made it 28-17, but then uh, with about 5.20 to go in the third, Joe Burrow snuck in on a QB sneak, but man, Joe Burrow was dealing. Now, obviously, Atlanta... Ended up losing two of their best, I mean, two of their easily their best defensive players. Because remember, they put Casey Hayward on IR. And uh, I think A.J. Terrell left that game with an injury. So Atlanta just got torched defensively. But, man, Joe Burrow dealt in this game 34-42 with 481 in the air, man. Three touchdowns, of course, to uh, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. Uh, two to Jamar Chase and one to, uh, to, to Tyler Boyd. Uh, Joe Mixon on the ground, 50, 17 carries for 58 and a touchdown. Those are your classic Joe Mixon carries against an Atlanta defensive line. Uh, Tyler Boyd. Eight catches for 155 and a TD, man. He he was on fire. Atlanta offensively, though, I mean, Mario to 8 of 13, 124, did have that one TD to uh, Demir Bird. On the ground, I mean, again, with, with the loss of Patterson, they really just don't have any confidence on the ground. 16 carries for 50 and a TD on the ground. And then Demir Bird was had that one catch for 75. So, again, that was a much-needed win there for the Bengals, who are now 4-3 and three on the year. Bengals, or Falcons now fall to 3-4. and four. Uh, the other game that was played that I, I watched a little bit of was kind of boring, but the Cowboys, of course, bouncing back. Dax returned, beating the Lions uh, 24-6. So now, again, the, the Cowboys have a great defense. we got to give the respect there. But now we're starting to see the true Detroit Lions. Now we're starting to see them struggle offensively, complete mess there. I know, you know, they, they have some injuries there. Amon Ra left the game with a concussion. DJ Chark was out. Swift was out again, so I get that. But, yeah, the Cowboys 5-2 uh, and two now on the year. Again, a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, started off with Michael Badgley hitting a 40-yarder for the Lions, made it 3-0. And then Brett Maher hit a 22-yarder, uh, made it 3-3. And then Badgley hit a 53-yarder, made it 6-3. And then finally, Cowboys got in the end zone when Zeke ran in for a one-yard touchdown, made it 10-6. And then Zeke again at the goal line, made it 17-6. And then 
freaking, what's his face? Peyton Hendershot. Because remember, Dalton Schultz left the game with an injury, I think. Peyton Hendershot, the uh, rookie tight end, caught a two-yard TD pass from Dak and uh, put him up 24-6. So, yeah, Lions just couldn't do much. Again, no DJ Chark, no Amon Ra, no Swift. That was pretty tough. I, I, I think, you know, Dalton Schultz got banged up and Zeke got banged up, but I think they ended up being fine. But, you know, again... Kind of a, a slow look for Dak in that offense. Dak, 19 of 25 in his return, uh, 207 with that one TD to uh, Peyton Hendershot. Uh, Tony Pollard, you know, decent game, 12 carries, 83 on the ground. CeeDee Lamb, four catches for 70. And then for the Lions, you know, kind of a tough game for Goff, 21 of 26 for 228, had two bad interceptions. Uh, again, Jamal Williams, 15 carries, 79. Khalif Raymond had uh, seven catches for 75. I don't know what was up with Josh Reynolds. I don't know if he was hurt, but... Uh, you know, Cowboys are now 5-2 and two on the year. Lions now 1-5. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tough stuff for the Lions, man. Really, really tough stuff. Uh, the other game. Again, it was tough for both Brady and Rodgers. How about the Washington Commanders beating the Packers 23-21 with Taylor Heineke? Now, again... There's a lot to talk about with both, you know, the Packers and the Bucks, two NFC teams that are significantly underperforming. It's worse in the Bucks' favor, but wow, I did not expect the Packers to go out there and lose. But 23-21 win for the Commanders. Again, you know, the Packers nearly made a comeback. It started off with uh, Aaron Jones catching a four-yard TD pass from Rodgers, made it a 7-0 Packers. Then Joey Sly hit a 22-yarder, so it was 7-3. And then Devondre Campbell had a a 63-yard pick six. So now everything looked pretty good there. 14-3 Packers. And then uh, Antonio Gibson, a little bit slow there on the ground. Uh, Antonio Gibson uh, caught a nine-yard TD pass from Heineke, made it 14-10. And then how about Terry McLaurin striking through that Green Bay secondary with a 37-yarder. And the commanders were up 17-14. And then Joey Sly hit a 31-yarder. They were up 20-14. And then Sly hit a 19-yarder to make it 23-4. So they were up by nine. And then in a much-needed drive, uh, Aaron Jones caught a 21-yarder from, from Rodgers to make it 23-21. But... Then again, the commander's defense clutched up and they pulled off an insane upset. Again, no Carson Wentz. Overall, just a mess of a team. But, they, I mean, listen, right, the, the, the true problem for the Packers is that they, they have nothing going offensively. And, and truly, it goes down to the loss of Devontae Adams in an incredibly inexperienced receiving core. That's it. You know, I mean, I'm still sensing, like, Rodgers out there trying to make as many plays as possible. But, you know, when your best receivers are Alan Lazard and, you know, who was their number two in this game? I mean, they didn't have Cobb. I mean, was it Sammy Watkins? I mean, it was bad, man. But uh, Taylor Heineke, 20 of 33, 201, had those two TDs to McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. Did throw in that pick 6-2, but Brian Robinson being that RB1, man, 20 carries for 73. McLaurin, you know, five catches, 73, and a touchdown. Rodgers, I mean, again, that these are not the Aaron Rodgers games we've been seeing. 22 of 35, he threw, you know, for 194 against that defense, and he obviously had those two touchdowns to uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, Jones only had 23 yards on the ground, too, which was nuts. And then Lazard had six catches for 55. So, again, there, there is just a serious offensive issue for the Packers. They can't move the ball. They, 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 they just can't move the ball. So, Packers are now 3-4. and four. Commanders are now 3-4, and four, believe that or not. I mean, wow. Crazy game right there. The other game that I thought was was really tough to watch, man, the, the, the Bucks losing 21-3. Now, in my opinion, it's worse for the Bucs because at least Tom Brady has some guys to throw to, right? At least he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. In my opinion, everybody else in that offense is putting in zero effort. Now, there's a, a lot of issues here for the Bucs, but they lost 21-3 to the Panthers. The Panthers, who were 1-5, and in their, in their quarterback was P.J. Walker, who for sure played better than Baker could have played, but still, 21-3. Again, Started off with uh, DJ Moore with a nice catch to the back of the end zone to put the Panthers up 7-0, and then Chuba Hubbard just ran right through 14-0 Panthers, and finally the Bucks got on the board when a suck-up just 
you know, hit a, an easy 27-yarder. And then much-needed stop on that drive. Tommy Tremble caught a uh, 29-yarder from P.J. Walker, and they won 21-3. I mean, listen, right? People are People's first reactions to this Bucks offense, because it hasn't just been one or two games, it has been the entire season that this Bucks offense can't do anything, right? Week one, 19 points on Dallas. Week two, who did they, they played New Orleans. They didn't score. They didn't put up any points in like the second half. Like every game this year for the Bucks has been ugly. In fact, I mean, actually, no. The only game where they looked good offensively was when they played Kansas City. And again, that's Kansas City's defense. We, we know what's capable. We know what happens there. But with the exception of that game, every game this year for the Bucks has been a train wreck. You know, it's not real. Like it just feels like the, there, there's no production like you, you know you don't see receivers making any sort of plays out there like you look at, at that Bucks offense there's just nothing it's just playing nothing like it's more than just a protection because you know I watched pretty much this entire game and I thought Brady taking the snap out of the shotgun whether it was play action or out of the shotgun he had some time to throw like yesterday's loss was not because Brady was under attack I mean listen the Panthers have a couple of good guys you know I love Brian Burns he got to Brady I think one or two times but it wasn't like Brady had a split second to throw the ball and he had Russell Gage. I mean, first off, Mike Evans should have caught that touchdown. We all saw it. Opening drive, Evans was wide open. And Evans, who, you know, normally makes up some of the most impressive catches in the league, dropped it. And, and that's, I, was that the killer? Like, there's no way that that drop was the ultimate killer to an offense that hasn't been able to do much at all this year. So, and again, like, I mean, okay, fine. You lost Ryan Jensen. You lost Ali Marpet. You lost Gronk, obviously. I mean, Antonio Brown stung you a little bit. But that cannot be the reason why you cannot put up a touchdown against the Carolina Panthers. And you're 3-4. and four. It's the first time Brady's 3-4 and four since 2002, which is the only year in his 23-year career he missed the playoffs. And this Bucks team is too good for that. But at the same time, like, you know, with the exception of Godwin and Evans, there's no other receiver that's doing anything there. You know, Russell Gage, where's he been? Julio, I know he's hurt. The tight ends are terrible. Cameron Bray can't do anything. They didn't even have him yesterday. They had Kyle Rudolph and Kate Otten, you know? No other usable back besides Fournette. They're trying to get Rashad White involved. The defense is not really the problem. Yeah, you know, not the greatest stretch, but, you know, still, your defense made a lot of opportunities there. So this was a really bad game, and I don't know who they play next week. I think they play the Ravens on Thursday. I think they play in Germany. So, I mean, hey, that's a transition right there. You need to start winning games because, listen, right, 2020 was different. 2020 was like a mediocre start. It wasn't this bad. You went, you still went 11 and five in 2020. You're three and four right now. So I don't know, man, but wow. So again, for the Panthers, PJ Walker, who I think pretty much locked up the job. I, I know, you know, this wasn't like, listen, if I'm, if I'm Steve Wilkes, you know, Baker was a train wreck and it's disappointing, but I mean, Hey, 16 of 22, 177 through those two TDs to Tommy Tremble and DJ Moore. Uh, again, this was the Panthers first game without McCaffrey, which was kind of awkward, but Dante Foreman, I mean, this is supposed to be the best, one of the best run defenses in the league. Dante Foreman, who's now the new wide running back one, had 15 carries for 118. And then DJ Moore had a game of his life, seven catches, 69 and a touchdown. So they were shredding that defense. And then for Brady, I mean, you know, 32 of 49, he still threw for 290, no turnovers, but still. And they couldn't run the ball, period. I mean, their best rusher was Rashad White, six carries for 24. Evans, nine catches for 96, still dropped an open touchdown, but... Panthers are two and five in the Bucks. The AFC South sucks. That literally, the, 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 the two best teams are the are the Bucks and the Falcons. They're both three and four. The AFC South is is really bad. So yeah, that, that was a, that was a bad game. Uh, this game though, again, I know it was a little bit of a cakewalk for the Giants, but they ended up beating the uh, Jags twenty three seventeen. So the Giants are six and one. Now I get it. I, I, I'm a believer in the Giants. I like what they've proven defensively. They're great. They have a great coach under their hands. Saquon is back. You know, at the same time, I, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're that they're playing some shitty teams. But twenty three seventeen, so you know, started off with uh, Darius Slayton. I forgot about Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton caught a thirty two yarder from Daniel Jones. They went up seven nothing, and then the Jags went a little aggressive. How about Travis ETA with his first career touchdown, seven yards on the ground, and then he ran in for the two point conversion. So the Jags were up eight seven. And then uh, Riley Patterson hit a 27-yarder, made it 11-7. And then Graham Gano hit a 33-yarder, made it 11-10. Then he hit a 33-yarder again, made it 13-11. And then uh, Trevor Lawrence ran in for a uh, little one-yard touchdown. So the Jags were up 17-13. And then the extra point was blocked, so they were up 17-13. Then Daniel Jones with a QB sneak put the Giants up 20-17. And then Gano with about a minute left to hit a 34-yarder. 
and the Giants are now six and one. They're freaking six and one. I mean, I, listen, it wasn't the prettiest win. You know, the Jags nearly let this one slide, but still. I mean, Daniel Jones, 19 of 30, 202, you know, had that one big TD pass to Darius Slayton. How about Saquon, man? Again, I know it's the Jags' defense, but Saquon, 24 carries for 110, man. And then Darius Slayton had three catches for 58 and a touchdown. Then for the Jags, I got to say, though, pretty good game for Trevor Lawrence, man. 22 of 43, still threw for 310. Travis ETA has officially earned the number one spot in the backfield. He had 14 carries for 114 and a touchdown. And then Christian Kirk had seven catches for 96, but still... This Giants offense is starting to do things. I hope Daniel Bellinger's okay because he was bleeding from his eye in this game. But Jags are now 2-5, and five, Giants 6-1. and one. That's still tough, man. Um, this game was a little close. I wasn't expecting it to be this close, but the, the Ravens ended up squeaking by the Browns 23-20. Again, they were home. They got Gus Edwards back in this game. Uh, I was a little, you know, Gus Edwards was a big guy to get back, especially with J.K. Dobbins injury. But, but still, man, this was kind of interesting. So it started off with uh, Nick Chubb running in. For, Nick Chubb has been a beast week after week. Two-yard touchdown to uh, put the Browns up 7-0. Then uh, Justin Tucker at a 32-yarder made it 7-3. And then Katie York, the rookie, at a 41. So they were up 10-3. Then Tucker at a 34-yarder made it 10-6. And then finally, Gus Edwards, in his season debut, had a 7-yard touchdown on the ground to put the uh, Ravens up 13-10. Then he had another touchdown at the goal line to make them 20-10. And then York hit a uh, 37-yarder made it 20-13. And then Tucker at a boot 55-yarder made it 23-13. And then with nine minutes left, uh, Kareem Hunt ran in for a two-yard touchdown to make it 23-20, but the Ravens' defense closed it out, and a much-needed win for that Ravens team because they had been choking games left and right. So, But still, man, you know, Gus Edwards was great to have back in this game, and, and their defense was able to close it out. But still, man, you know, it was raining in Baltimore. wasn't the prettiest. Lamar, you know, 9 of 16 for 120. Uh, Gus Edwards, though, pretty solid return. 16 carries for 66, had two TDs on the ground. And then uh, their best receiver was Devin Duvernay, who only had two catches for 42. And then for the Browns, I mean, still not even a bad game from Jacoby Brissett, 22 of 27 for 258. You know, Nick Chubb, 16 carries for 91 and a touchdown. Amari Cooper, three catches, 74 on Humphrey. So, but uh, that was a much-needed win for the Ravens, man. They're now 4-3. and three. Browns are 2-5, and five, man, but still, much-needed there. How about this game, though? I mean, again, Broncos obviously did not have Russell Wilson, but the Jets, the Jets might be legit. A little bit of an asterisk, asterisk there, but... The Browns, the Jets may be legit, so they beat the Broncos 16-9. Now, obviously, there was a major loss at this game with Brees Hall, which is huge. I mean, he was having himself a season. But, you know, the Broncos, of course, with Brett Rippon at quarterback, nearly beat the Jets. They put up nine points, but the Jets really, I mean, took off, man, 16-9. Again, started off with Brees Hall, man. He had himself a freaking game, dude. 62 yards on the ground. A 62-yard TD TD on the ground to put the Jets up 7-0. Then uh, Latavius Murray. How about Latavius Murray with a uh, two-yard TD run the run on the ground, made it 7-6. And then Brandon McManus hit a 44-yarder. Broncos were up 9-7. And then Greg Zerline hit a 45-yarder before halftime. The Jets were up 10-9. And then it was just two more field goals from Zerline to win it 16-9. So, listen, the, the Jets have a solid defense. I know it's a Broncos offense that hasn't done anything this year. You know, they didn't, you know, no Javante Williams. I think Sutton got hurt. You obviously had no Russ, even though Russ has been bad this year. But still, another impressive performance but you know Zach Wilson 16 of 26 121 obviously a great performance from Brees Hall four carries for 72 and a TD but uh, if you didn't hear Brees Hall did tear his ACL so he's done for the year that sucks man this kid had one dominant game and he's already out for the year it sucks so uh, that's gonna be Michael Carter time but then uh, and Michael Carter did have two catches for 45 he's really good in the catching game but you know I gotta tell you though Brett Rippon didn't even play that bad 24 of 46 you know 225 in the year, did throw a, a really ugly interception. Uh, Melvin Gordon on the ground had 11 carries for 66, and then Jerry Judy had uh, seven catches for 96, but the Jets are 5-2. and two. I mean, the Jets are 5-2. Are and two. Who would have thought they're 5-2? and two? And the Broncos are 2-5. and five. I mean, listen, you're 2-5. and five. You're getting absolutely pummeled in the AFC West. Big changes have got to be made. Like, it has to be discussed, but anyway. Uh, this game was, you know, going to turn into something ugly, but the Raiders... Uh, with a much-needed win, beat the Texans 38-20. to Now, this game was kind of back and forth for a bit, and the Ravens just kind of, the Raiders just kind of flatlined them in the fourth quarter. But, again, started off with uh, Daniel Carlson in a 50-yarder, put the Raiders up 3-0. How about Chris Moore with a, a 13-yard TD pass from Mills, put the Texans up 7-3, and then Fairbairn hit a big 55-yarder. So the Texans were up 10-3. And then um, Mac Hollins, who finally came back, had a nice 26-yard TD from, from Carr to tie the game at 10 at, the, uh, at halftime. Then... 
Fairbairn hit a uh, 35-yarder, but at 13-10, and then Josh Jacobs ran it. He had a great game. Josh Jacobs had a uh, four-yard run at the goal line, put them up 17-13, and then uh, Philip Dorsett caught a uh, 20. How about Philip Dorsett, Patriot legend, caught a uh, 25-yarder from from uh, from Mills to make it 20-17 to Texans. Then the Raiders just took off in the fourth, man. How about a seven-yard TD from, from Josh Jacobs to make it 24-20, and then a 15-yard TD from, from Josh Jacobs to make it 31-20, and then how about Deron Harmon? Patriot legend right there too, a 73 yard pick six on, on, uh, on Davis Mills and the Raiders flatlined them. So again, this was a much needed game for them. You know, offensively, they have been really, really, really struggling. I know it's the Texans, but much needed right there. So again, Derek Carr, 21 of 27 for 241, had that one TD to Matt Collins. How about Josh Jacobs though? He was everywhere in this game. 20 carries for 143 and three touchdowns. I mean, that, that's, that, that's AFC player of the week performance and Devontae Adams too, eight catches 95. And then for the Texans, I mean, Davis Mills, you know, decent game, 28 of 41, 302 did throw those uh, two TD passes to Philip Dorsett and uh, Chris Moore. And obviously in uh, that pick six, uh, Damian Pierce was had a really good rookie season, 20 carries for 92. And then Jordan Atkins had three catches for 68, but much needed win there for the Raiders, man. They're two and four now. And the uh, Texans are one, four and one. Uh, I think I missed this game. So then the earlier game that I missed was the Titans beating the Colts 19 to 10. Now, obviously I had some belief in the Colts. They got Jonathan Taylor back a couple of guys back in the backfield, but uh, still not a very dominant game for the Titans, but still man, 19, 10 started off with uh, Randy Bullock hitting a uh, 27 yarder for the Titans, put him up three, nothing. And how about Andrew Adams, Andrew Adams with a 76 yard pick six on Matt Ryan. It was an ugly one to put the Titans up 10, nothing. And then Bullock hit a uh, 28 yarder. So they were up 13, nothing at halftime. Then, Colts got on the board when uh, Matt Ryan found Paris Campbell. About damn time he found him for a four-yard TD, so they made it 13-7. Then Randy Bullock hit a six, uh, uh, 38-yarder, made it 16-7. And then Chase McLaughlin hit a 50-yarder for the Colts to make it 16-10. And then Bullock hit a 48-yarder, so... If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Yeah, I mean, the Titans, who obviously have, you know, lost quite a lot there offensively. Again, not a very crazy game from, actually, no, Henry did have a good game. But uh, Ryan Tannehill, the classic Tannehill game, 13 of 20 for 132. Derrick Henry, though, he was getting the reps, man. 30 carries for 128, and then Austin Hooper had three catches for 56. And then for Matt Ryan, and we, we have some big news on Matt Ryan today, was uh, 33 of 44 for 243, again, had that one TD to uh, Paris Campbell, but he threw two bad interceptions. Jonathan Taylor, again, another slow return for him. 10, 10 carries for 58. And then Paris Campbell was getting the load in this game. 10 catches for uh, 70 and a touchdown. But we did get some big news, though, for, for Matt Ryan and the Colts. We'll talk about that. But the Titans are now 4-2. and two. Colts are 3-3-1. Three, three and one. So, yeah, I did forget to go over that one. Then another game that was honestly pretty decent was the, the Seahawks. I called this game. The Seahawks beating the Chargers 37-23. to I mean, listen, Kenneth Walker, th- I-, I still can't believe I picked him up in waivers, but a 37-20, I mean, Geno Smith dealt in this game, man. But again, some injuries came into this game. But again, how about this, man? Marquise Goodwin, a 20-yard TD pass from Geno to put the Seahawks up 7-0. Then uh, Kenneth Walker, what a game from him, man. 20, a 12-yard run on the ground, 14-0 uh, Seahawks. Then... Jason Myers hit a 46. They're up 17-0 at the end of the first quarter. And then Austin Eckler ran in for a 7-yard TD, made it 17-7. Then Mike Williams uh, had a 13-yard TD to make it 17-14. But then Marquis Goodwin, who went off in this game, had a 23-yarder from Geno to make it 24-14. And then Myers, 34-yarder, 27-14. Then Kenneth Walker came in in the end zone. Uh, or no, sorry, Kenneth Walker was stuffed for a safety, so that gave two to the Chargers to make it 27-16. Then... Jason Myers, a 50-yarder, 30-16, to and then Kenneth Walker, just to put more damage there, a 74-yard run on the ground to put him up 37-16, and then Eckler caught a one-yard TD pass from Herbert with about 320 to go, but this Seahawks team, man, I don't know, I, I know the Chargers have had their issues, but wow, that is some crazy stuff, so Geno Smith, man, 20 of 27, 210, had those two TDs to uh, Marquise Goodwin, did throw an interception, Kenneth Walker, man, 
This kid is going to have himself a season. 23 carries for 168 and two touchdowns. And then freaking Marks, Marquise Goodwin, four catches for 67 and two touchdowns. And then for the Chargers, I mean, again, these are your classic Justin Herbert numbers. 33 of 51 for uh, 293. And obviously he had those two touchdown passes to uh, Mike Williams and Eckler and did throw an interception. Eckler on the ground, though, nine carries for 31 and a touchdown. And remember, Keaton Allen was back in this game. Eckler also had 12 catches for 96 and a touchdown. But, you know, the Chargers are having some issues there, and the injuries are hurting them too. But the Seahawks are now 4-3, and three, and the Chargers are 4-3. and three. Who would have thought? I mean, crazy stuff, man. And then we had the uh, what was kind of an anticipating good look. We had the, 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 the rematch of uh, Super Bowl 54, the Chiefs and the Niners. Obviously, the big... The big thing was the Chris McCaffrey debut for the Niners, but still, man, 44-23. The Chiefs were just lighting it up offensively, man. But the Niners were striking first. Started off with uh, Robbie Gold in the 30-yarder for the Niners, 3-0. Then Ray-Ray McLeod, the speedy Ray-Ray McLeod, caught an 8-yard TD pass from Jimmy G. They were up 10-0, but it's always the Chiefs win when, when they're down 10-0 because then McCole Hardman caught an 8-yard TD pass from Mahomes, made it 10-7, and then Robbie Gold drove the 50-yard, so they were up 13-7. Then... McCole Hardman had his first career rushing touchdown, 25 yards, to put the Chiefs up 14-13. Then CEH, 16-yard run on the ground, 21-13. Then Gold hit a 49-yarder, so it was 21-16. Then how about Justin Watson? Underrated slot receiver, man. Caught a 4-yard TD pass from Mahomes, made it 28-16 Chiefs. And then George Kittle, man, remember, much-needed drive right there. Kittle, 15-yard TD pass from Jimmy G, made it 28-23, but then... McCole Hardman, another easy end around at the goal line, made it 35-23. And then Jimmy G was uh, sacked in the end zone for a safety, made it 37-23. And then Juju caught a 45-yard bomb from Mahomes to make it 44-23. They were just shredding this Niners defense. And again, not what they did in the Super Bowl, but wow, man. I mean, McCaffrey was obviously a decent fit here, but still, man. Uh, for Mahomes, he was on fire. 25 of 34 for 423 he had obviously those three touchdowns to Hardman, Juju, and uh, who was it? Hardman, Juju, and I think two to Hardman and one to Juju. Or no, sorry, Hardman, Juju, and uh, Justin Watson. Isaiah Pacheco was the guy making plays on the ground. He had eight carries for 43, but Juju, man, I haven't seen numbers from Juju like this in like four or five years. Seven catches for 124 and a touchdown. And then for the Niners, I mean, still, man, Jimmy G, 25 of 37, 303, those two TD passes to George Kittle and Ray Ray McLeod did throw a bad interception too. Again, didn't really run the ball well. Seven carries for 54 for Jeff Wilson. And then George Kittle on National Tight Ends Day had six catches for 98 and had a touchdown. But yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs are just lighting it up, man. Chiefs are now 5-2, and two, Niners 3-4. and four. A lot of work to do there. And then we had the little boring Sunday night game, the Steelers and the Dolphins. Dolphins, again, to his return, beat the Steelers 16-10. This was a sloppy game. I mean, not only did Kenny Pickett play like garbage, but... The Steelers had like four or five dropped interceptions. It was bad, but again, started off with uh, Raheem Mostert catching an eight-yard TD pass from Tua. Don't really see Mostert that much in the passing game. 7 nothing Dolphins. Then Jason Sanders hit a 24-yarder to put him up 10 nothing, and then he hit a 40. So they were up 13 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Then in the second quarter, no one, nothing happened in the second half. Second quarter, Chris Boswell hit a 45-yarder to make it 13-3. Then how about... Kenny Pickett to George Pickens, a little rookie-on-rookie connection. George Pickens with a beautiful 7-yard TD reception from Kenny Pickett. So they were down 13-10. And then with uh, two seconds left in the second, Jason Sanders hit a 47-yarder to put him up 16-10. But I'm just shocked nothing happened in the second half. Again, I never thought I'd say, but Tua coming back to this Dolphins offense makes a difference. I mean, Tua 21 of 35, 261, had the TD pass to Mostert. I mean, Mostert on the ground had 16 carries for 79. Jalen Waddell, the, the Steelers pretty much shut down Tyreek Hill because Jalen Waddell only had four catches for 88. And then Kenny Pickett, man, 32 of 44, 257, did have the one TD to George Pickens, but he did throw three interceptions, and he had a really, really crazy unlucky one at the end of the, at the, end of the game. Uh, ran the ball. I mean, they couldn't really run the ball, man. 17 carries for 65. And then Pat Fryermuth actually had eight catches for 75. But, yeah, no, the Steelers just can't do anything offensively, man. Dolphins are now four and three. They end their losing streak. Steelers are now two and five. And uh, yeah, those are your uh, your week seven games. So, wow. Oh, my God. lot of stuff, man. Lots of stuff. So once again, we got the Pats and Bears starting pretty soon in Foxborough. And then we're on to week eight. So a lot of stuff going on. As I said before, the Celtics are playing tonight. Other NBA games. You got the Pacers in Philly at seven o'clock tonight. Raptors are in Miami playing the Heat. Magic in New York playing the Knicks. Uh, 7.30 on NBA TV. 
Um, Jazz and Houston playing the Rockets. Nets in Memphis playing the Grizzlies. Spurs in uh, Minnesota playing the Wolves. And the Nuggets are in Portland playing the Blazers. Of course, the Blazers are one of three teams to be 3-0. Celtics, Blazers, and the Jazz. So that's your little NBA look for today. And then for hockey, again, the Bruins are off tonight. Got a few games. You got the uh, the Caps in New Jersey playing the Devils. Stars in Ottawa playing the Senators. Penguins in Edmonton playing the Oilers on NHL Network. Uh, Blues in Winnipeg playing the Jets. Leafs in Vegas playing the Golden Knights. And then the Canes in Vancouver playing the Canucks at 1030. So, yep, that's your little look at uh, hockey. So, uh, whew, crazy stuff, man. So, uh, other than that, man, um, let's see. Just give me a second. Uh, we did have some some really interesting news around the NFL today. Again, you always get some some weird news on Mondays. Lots of crazy news around the NFL today. Let's see what the earliest I can start with. So, uh, let's see. Um, starting with earlier today. Um, let's see. Uh, so, starting off with earlier today. Uh, Cowboys cornerback Jordan Lewis apparently underwent a season-ending foot injury. So, one of their top corners is out for the year. Again, Cowboys corner depth has been getting weaker and weaker. So Jordan Lewis is out for the year. Titans ended up making a move. They signed uh, offensive tackle Eric Smith to uh, their practice squad. So a little addition right there. Apparently, uh, so for, this is mostly going to be injuries. DK apparently suffered a patellar uh, tendon injury that will not require surgery. So uh, Pete Carroll said that DK received a great report this morning. and doesn't expect a long-term absence. So there is a chance that DK misses the next couple of weeks. So... Still kind of a blow right there. Uh, the Browns also lost a big one. They lost uh, starting linebacker Jacob Phillips to a uh, pectoral injury. So he is out for the year. Again, those linebackers have been just getting killed for them. And obviously you heard Brees Hall. He's done for the year. Tore his ACL officially. That sucks, man. He was coming off a great game yesterday. So obviously that means uh, Michael Carter is going to be that RB1 in the backfield, I believe. Ty Johnson's the secondary back. But they're, they're right back to where they were last year with that backfield. So... Hopefully, Brees Hall gets better, man. Uh, apparently, Browns set in. David Njoku suffered a high ankle sprain, and he's expected to miss two to five weeks. So, And listen, Njoku was dealing this year after the contract situation, so uh, that pretty much makes Harrison Bryant the new number one tight end there in Cleveland until further notice. Apparently, also, Browns linebacker Baron Browning suffered a hip injury, so he's out for several weeks. Uh, Giants rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger suffered a fracture around the eye socket in the septum, and he's going to miss some time, so... I have no clue who the backup tight end is, and he was doing good, man, so Bellinger's going to miss some time. But this was the big news today that I thought came out of nowhere. So how about the Colts officially announcing that Sam Ellinger is going to be their quarterback for the remainder of the season? I mean, listen, I know the quarterback situation in Indy's been a crisis since the Andrew Luck retirement, but wow, is this crazy. First off, I know the Colts have obviously been underperforming, and a lot of it does go offensively, but can you really blame Matt Ryan? I know there was a dispute there in Atlanta. It made sense for Atlanta to move on from him. But can you really blame Matt Ryan? Did you not forget what happened last week when they beat, uh, who did they beat last week? Oh my God. They, wh- whoever the hell they beat last week, Houston or something. I don't know. When Matt Ryan put up like 400 yards. I mean, did you forget that? To me, it doesn't make sense. Like, uh, Yes, I think the issue that Frank Wright has is the inconsistency. And Matt Ryan was the true epitome of that. Especially this year, not so much in Atlanta. But I was shocked by this. Now, this all goes to the, the injury. Apparently he suffered a grade two shoulder sprain. But... Frank Wright basically said, like, yeah, we're making this because of the injury, but we trust Sam Ellinger. Now, if you don't remember, Ellinger was like a fourth or fifth rounder back in 2020. I thought he was nasty at college. He was great in Texas. I mean, he was Texas's starting quarterback for like three years. He was good in college. And I thought, you know, hey, what I thought was way back in 2020 uh, that, uh, or no, was he was drafted last year. Sorry, was he drafted last year? Because they had Jacob Eason. I keep getting confused between him and Jacob Eason. But I thought the Colts were either going to breed we're going to breed him into that new guy after the Philip Rivers era. Uh, so I thought that was going to be the move. But uh, getting Matt Ryan, I mean, Matt Ryan was still putting up three, 400 yards a game, was top five in passing yards year after year in Atlanta. He wasn't going to take a backup role somewhere. So, wow. And then again, you know, Ellinger was supposed to be the third string guy because going into the year, it was Matt Ryan, Nick Foles is the backup, and then Ellinger is the third string. So the fact that this kid made it, he was the backup on Sunday, and now he's a starter. So I want to see where this goes. I mean, listen, I know there's a talent issue there. The receiving core has been living up to par. Really, with the exception of Pittman, you have no one else. Your tight ends are weakened. Your O-line's gotten worse. Jonathan Taylor and Hines haven't been as dominant as we thought. So there's been issues there other than Matt Ryan. But I don't like the move. But listen, I, I want nothing but the best for Ellinger. So Sam Ellinger, the new QB1 in Indy. That's the big news right there. Uh, the other big news, though, for Jets fans, another huge one. How about Elijah Vera Tucker 
Their uh, first rounder from last year apparently suffered a triceps injury. He is done for the year. I mean, that's back-to-back huge young guys going out for the Jets. Brees Hall and now Vera Tucker, who, again, was was a beast at USC. And remember, they lost Mekhi Becton early on, so that's that's tough, man. Hopefully he gets back and does stuff. Uh, Mike Williams apparently suffered a high ankle sprain. He is going to miss some time. Again, the Chargers getting killed with these injuries, so Keenan Allen comes back. Now Mike Williams is down, so... He's going to be missing some time. Uh, big news, though, for the Rams, who, again, we're on the bye week. Van Jefferson is back. So Van Jefferson officially back from IR, so there's a three-week window for him to come back. So uh, Van Jefferson, that's a big one to have back because this, this is a Rams offense that hasn't been as dominant. So hopefully with Van Jefferson coming back, they look good. Uh, the Rams also designated cornerback Troy Hill and uh, linebacker Traven Howard to come back. So uh, good stuff right there. Uh, the Broncos officially placed uh, two running back. They placed uh, Mike Boone on IR. So now the backfield is going to be Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray. They put Mike Boone on IR, and they officially signed uh, Marlon Mack to their active roster. So they need another guy. Forgot about Marlon Mack. Uh, so, yeah. And then uh, the Dolphins also placed safety Brandon Jones on IR. Again, he was carted off, I think, last night. So unclear if he's going to come back. Uh, Evan Neal, the rookie tackle, so he was carted off yesterday. He apparently suffered an MCL injury, but he's going to be out at least three to four weeks, so there's potential he goes on IR, and listen, big part of that O-line, man, he was a big first-round pick from this year out of Alabama, so he's going to miss some time, but this was also some tough news, was uh, J.C. Jackson, of course, uh, suffered a nasty torn ACL. Remember, it it was kind of a tough start for J.C., you know, big contract, one of the highest-paid corners in the league, was kind of off to a rough start. He was still dealing with that ankle injury, and then he suffered a bad non-contact torn ACL uh, yesterday so he is out for the year really sucks with that contract situation and obviously want nothing the best for jc so that's a big blow for the chargers that is a really big blow so uh yeah and then uh earlier today apparently kyle Yuschek underwent uh finger surgery today and he is out until after their week nine bye of course still the best fullback in the league and uh debo is apparently uh day-to-day with a hamstring injury so the things for the niners aren't getting any better man and yeah, that is all of your NFL news from today with all those injuries. So yeah, hopefully that doesn't keep up, man. Hopefully that doesn't keep up. And then uh, for the NBA, I, I don't even know. Did anything happen around the NBA today? I thought I thought something happened. Uh, I thought something happened around the NBA. Anything happen? Guess not. So um, and then for the NHL, did anything happen around the NHL? Anything? Anything? Let's see. Anything happen? Dylan Gunther... Stars have been awful this year. Borowiski left hospital after being stretched off yesterday during the Flyers. Sad to see. So, yeah, that's everything we got. So, anyway, man, Pats, go beat the Bears, baby. We win tonight. We're above 500. Celtics, keep the train going. Try to go 4-0. We got to beat Chicago, man. That's the goal. Beat Chicago, man. I'm Arn Arroyan. Peace out. Go Pats and go Seeds, baby.